0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the
1: official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch.
0: A cover! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello and welcome to episode number 95 of Brewers on Tap. Lane Grindle with you from Miller Park after the Brewers completing another win. Uh, this one over the Pirates by a final score of 3-1. to one. The crew uh, winners of three in a row now. Last couple against the Reds and this one against the Pirates. And the Brewers getting the roster solidified over the past week with some decent news on the injury front. Chase Anderson's going to be inserted back into the rotation on Sunday against the Colorado Rockies. And catcher Stephen Volk continues his rehab. It's now been transferred to Triple A Colorado Springs. And, of course, the Brew Crew added a bat over the last week. Former Pirate and most recently Mets second baseman Neil Walker acquired from New York for a player to be named later. Walker's a switch hitter, gives the Brewers another quality hitter that has shown some power in his career. The crew did receive some tough news, though, as lefty Brent Suter went on the 10-day DL with a rotator, rotator cuff soreness uh, for Brent Suter, has pitched very well in Chase Anderson's absence uh, over the course of that injury. So let's recap the week. The crew came off that road trip where they took two of three from Tampa Bay and then lost those first two games of the series to the Twins, came home to Miller Park against the Twins, dropped both of those games to the Twins, and then dropped the opener in the Red Series on Friday night. And what was an exciting game, down 10-2, Brewers came roaring back, ended up losing that one just a a little bit too late on the charge down the stretch in that game for the crew. But bounced back Saturday on a nice win that went into extra innings, and it was Eric Sogard providing the winner. 0-2 pitch. Down low. Here comes Sogard to the plate. The throw. Not in time. The Brewers win it on a walk-off. A wild pitch walk-off. Losing streak over for now. Then on Sunday, Brewers trying to take this series, and it was the first game with Neil Walker in a Brewers uniform, and it didn't take long for him to endear himself to the Miller Park faithful. Romano, here it is. Neil Walker, a bouncer to right, a base hit. Ryan Braun's going to be hell now. Now he'll Come on as that ball got by Winker in right field. And Neil Walker, in his Milwaukee debut, gets a standing O here, not only from the fans, but the Brewers dugout alike. So after an off day on Monday, the crew looking for another win on Tuesday, and uh, a big performance out of Zach Davies on the mound. six and a third, gave up just one run. And Keon Broxton with a pinch hit home run, a big part of that one in the crew. Now three games above 500, sitting at 62 and 59, and still nipping on the Cubs' heels, and uh, even with the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central. All right, we have plenty more still to come here on Brewers on Tap. Let's get it started by talking with Brewers third base coach Ed Cedar.
1: Now for the clubhouse conversation. You gain a lot of confidence when you come up and you have success quite quickly. Um, so it it's, it gives you the mindset of I belong here and I can do it as long as I'm doing the things that I should be doing before and after starts.
0: Yeah. The last couple of days, I've been coming out of, of, of the bench and a 9 in and and you know get get just one a bat and just don't, don't try too too much. Just put a good at bat. Um, whenever I, I hunch over see. the the top of my helmet, will look into first base dugout and it's hard to hit like that and um, that's pretty much the only thing he's really he's really noticed that I need to work on is stand tall in my upper body. All right, last week in Minneapolis, it was Ed Cedar's birthday. The Brewers' third base coach is a staple of Brewers baseball. He's been with the organization since 1992, and I had a chance to sit down with him and talk about all those years in the Brewers organization.
2: First off, happy birthday. Well, thank you, Laner. Um nice spending it here hopefully the boys will give me a couple um birthday homers maybe you can get like a little dab in as they they come around there yeah let's just dab everybody let's go everyone in the lineup needs to dab tonight <laughs> well you know it,
0: look this it's your birthday a special day obviously but um you've spent so many years with this organization on a day like today do you look back on that a little bit more and think man i you know i've been with the brewers for a long time and and this is like family to me
2: <laughs> yeah that it actually it is like you said uh you look back and you go, man, this is like my 26th birthday with the Brewers, actually. You know, I'm trying to think of where I've been. Either I've they been Ogden, Helena, or maybe I was traveling. or I can remember actually a couple times being in the Dominican, actually, on my birthday. So, yeah, I kind of Brewers are my family, so might as well celebrate it with them.
0: You're one of the guys that uh, really connects with the, the young players in the clubhouse and have a lot of fun with them. Uh, has that always been the case for you or is this group uh, even more special for you?
2: No nah, I think that's the way almost I've always been like um, even when I was just a field coordinator and the outfield and base running guy when I would take over the rookie ball team the Brewers well they said they go perfect man for the job to be there with the kids just getting in just after being drafted getting them acclimated to pro ball and still making it fun and knowing that you gotta work, but still, you know, there's a lot of negativity in baseball, as you know. And you know, you can perform and be thirty percent of the time be uh successful, be an all-star and still seventy percent of the time you failed. So there's a lot of negativity in the game. So you kinda it takes a you need to make it a little fun, otherwise it'll be really, really bad around here.
0: You've seen a lot uh, over your time, um, specifically with the Brewers organization. What what is it about this group that makes them so resilient? They, it seems like they can go through a tough, tough spot and they come out of it. Um, they just they really compete at a high level. It seems.
2: Like. Yeah, it's kind of like unbelievable. And there's been more, you know, talented teams that I've seen after devastating losses where, boom, it can snowball. You know, snowball effect on them. But these guys, it doesn't, it's been happening the whole year where we come and whether, you know, errors lead to three or four runs being scored or a three run homer takes us out of a lead or something bad happens and we lose the game the next day, these guys come at it and go about it like nothing's happening. I've never, this is the best team at that because look at how many times we've lost games like that this season where the guys the next day come back and just it's kind of uh, you got to tip your hat to these guys that they, hey, they I always tell them I always use sponge, the sponge out theory. You know, hey, get everything in, stuff you don't like, sponge it out, except when I'm coaching them, I tell them don't ever, spo- <laughs> don't ever sponge any of my stuff out. But anyway, so I tell them to do that, but this team has uh, just gone above and beyond that because we've had some – you know, devastating setbacks. And then all of a sudden, the next day, it's like nothing happened. We go out and get a victory. Last year,
0: coming into the season in 2016, you had like eight different guys in spring training vying for the center field position. And you, you obviously knew you had Ryan Braun in left, and you, and you thought you were going to have Domingo Santana for the whole year in right. But of course, he had the injuries last year. So it makes coaching outfield a little bit challenging. This year, it's been a little bit more consistent for you. Obviously, Braun's had some injuries but you've had a more similar rotation to work with, even working Brinson and Phillips and some of the young guys in.
2: Yeah, it's a, and it's a nice problem to have when someone's struggling. Hey, we have interchangeable yeah. parts, like you mentioned Brinson, you mentioned uh, Phillips, uh, and it's always nice to have Sant- uh, Santana having a great, yeah. great season and, for the most part, being healthy. Brawny, you know, in and out. But uh, you've also got HP to enter yeah. in there, so... Yeah you got to tip your hat. These guys work hard. I make sure no matter matter what we're doing, you know, as far as a practice goes, but I tell them, I go, hey, BP is the only time where we read the sound, read the bats, um, see what the ball is doing in the park, what the turf has to offer. And these guys, every one of them are sitting there. You can watch, and the pitchers know to stay out of the way because all of a sudden you'll see might be Brock's flying by or Domingo who's turned himself into, Mm -hmm. you know, not a bad outfielder. Yeah. I mean, we're before people question them, but um, they've done they've done well. They do everything I've asked, and like kind of interchangeable parts. So it's kind of nice.
0: Ed, we appreciate it. Happy birthday, and let's hope that you celebrate it with plenty of dabs tonight over at third base. There you go. I like that plan, Lane. Always good to catch up with Ed Cedar, and our thanks to him for giving us some time last week back in Minneapolis. Okay, the Brewers made a trade. We've told you about it. It was for Neil Walker over the weekend already, making a big impact. And we're going to take a look at what he brings to the table in this week's edition of Sabermetrics 101.
2: Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101.
0: Well, all of our numbers in Sabermetrics 101 were numbers coming into Tuesday's action. And coming into Tuesday's action, Walker was a lifetime 290 hitter in 224 plate appearances at Miller Park. And a very good slugging percentage as well, 533. That's the best of any visiting parks he's played at least 15 games in. 11 home runs at Miller Park, tied with Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati for his highest total for a visiting ballpark as well. His OPS of 770 against the Brewers, Well, that's just scratching the surface of his success against the NL Central, which is, of course, where a lot of the games are going to be played over the last month and a half of the 2017 season. He's above 800 in OPS versus the Pirates, the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. So he has been a very good hitter within the National League Central over the course of his career. That is Sabermetrics 101. And, of course, last week before the trade went down, I had a chance to sit down with Brewers General Manager David Stearns.
1: Let's break it down.
0: Hello and welcome again to our latest edition of the David Stearns Show with Brewers General Manager David Stearns. I'm Lane Grindle. The non-waiver trade deadline has come and gone and there's always so much attention paid to that over the course of a season. And you were very active on a lot of fronts, and in the end made a couple of deals uh, specifically to bolster the bullpen, adding Jeremy Jeffress, Anthony Swarzak, and then going back a couple of weeks before the deadline, also making a deal to add Tyler Webb, who's currently with Colorado Springs.
1: That's right, and and I think as we entered the trade deadline season, we looked at our bullpen as an area where we could upgrade, where there were multiple options available in the trade market uh, that we thought were reasonably priced. Certainly pleased to be able to bring in the quality of arms that we were able to bring in, specifically a guy like Anthony Swarzak, who's already made a, a significant impact on, in our bullpen and allowed us to, to lengthen out the pen a, a little bit. We were able to bring back Jeremy Jeffers, someone who we know well, someone who's had a great deal of success here in Milwaukee, um, and, and someone who I think feels very comfortable here, and, and we look forward to getting back to that level of success. And then we also made a a slightly more minor deal, bringing in Tyler Webb, a left-handed pitcher that we've liked for a while. He's currently in Colorado Springs, but I suspect we'll see him uh, at some point back up here with the Major League team as well.
0: With Jeremy Jeffress, was there a comfort level for you just knowing that he's excelled here and there's a reason why he's had his success in Milwaukee versus maybe some other places he's been?
1: That's certainly part of it. We, We think we know J.J. well. I think J.J. knows us. He's very comfortable with our coaching staff. He's very comfortable with everyone we have around the team uh, and the community here in Milwaukee and he's, he's performed very well here. He was one of the best closers in baseball for the first half of last year prior to us trading him to Texas. And so we have some work to do and JJ has some work to do to get back to that level of performance. But we know it's in there. We know he has the work ethic and desire to get there. And so it, it'll be a process, but I think we'll make incremental improvement.
0: And you, you've said from the start, you never want to be defined as a buyer or a seller. It's not really how you look at it. You're looking at trying to make the organization as best as it can be in the current and in the near future as well. And uh, so some of these moves were moves that you were able to make without having to go rob your farm system from the depth of talent that it's, it has. So you're still in very good position from that standpoint, too, moving forward. And, and and I know that was a goal, not to try to give away everything in that farm system to add a couple of pieces.
1: We've worked very hard to get our farm system to yeah. where it is. We, we've worked very hard to acquire all of this young talent that we're now seeing at the major league level and, and throughout our system. And we know that not every prospect is going to hit. Not, every, not everyone um, that we like throughout our minor league system is going to come up and be an impact major league player. Um, but the truth is we need a lot of them, and, and we, need, uh, we need numbers, and we need uh, to give ourselves a chance that even if not everyone turns into the type of major league player we think they might be able to be, that enough of them do and that we have a, enough diversity throughout our system to, to get the quality and, and quantity of players that we need to the major league level on a regular basis. So it is, uh, it's never easy to part with young talent. We did that in a couple of cases here, but we did so, um, I think, in a sparing way, in a calculated way. Um, and we were able to keep a lot of our our main young talented yeah. players who we have coming through the system
0: you're at a, at a phase now too where a lot of these guys that we've been talking about for the last couple of years or going back to the trade deadline last year when you talk about lewis brinson and louis ortiz and some of those names that came into the system but a lot of these guys are kind of knocking on the door or they've already been up and been a part of the major league season here in 2017 already so now how does the evaluation process move forward? Because now you're going to have some competition at some spots, and you, you really have a different type of evaluation than what you have when those guys are in AA. Is that, is that pretty accurate?
1: I think it is. I think we like competition at the yeah. Major League level. We saw that in spring training. We thought we had competition at multiple positions, and it turned out very well for this club. And so the more competition we can create, uh, the, the better we will be as an organization. Now at, at some point there will come a time where we're going to have to choose a certain group of players over another certain uh, another group of players sometimes that works itself out for us um based on performance and sometimes we have to make that judgment um i don't think we're at that point yet i think we have some time to continue to allow a lot of our young players to grow um but when we get to that point we'll, we'll be able to make the best decision for the organization
0: now making deals is not necessarily over um, after July 31, then you can still make deals after guys clear waivers up until, and still be a part of the postseason roster up until essentially September, the, the beginning of September. So there still are a couple of weeks where you can make some more moves if you want to try to help this team in some different spots. Do you have positions you're keeping an eye on, things you're looking at, um, and, and if the right situation pops up, you, you would be ready to move on?
1: We are. We're, we're certainly actively monitoring the waiver trade market. Um, there are guys being put on waivers every single day. At some point over this course of this month, every, pretty much every player on a 25-man roster yeah. is going to be run through waivers. And we've already seen a good number of those guys. And um, where we think there are fits, we're, we're making inquiries and we're making sure we understand what potential acquisition costs could be um, for players that, that have gotten through. So it's, a, uh, it's an ongoing process. It's, it's not quite as hectic as that lead-up to the July 31st yeah. trade deadline, but there is ongoing conversation. And in areas where we think we can upgrade the club, we're certainly going to continue to look to do so.
0: Is, it, is this year any different than in years past in terms of the names that could potentially be available after the non-waiver deadline?
1: I, it, it seems to me that there are a greater number of potential trades that could happen yeah. this month. Um, there are a lot of players discussed prior to the, the July 31st deadline uh, in potential trades who are making some money. Generally, it's players with money attached who tend to get through right. waivers. Um, so as, as we've already seen the waiver process unfold, uh, we are seeing some of those types of players get through. And so that can generally lead to some deals later in the month. Um, Obviously, it depends on who falls out of it, who's still in it, whether those teams have potential matches. But there do seem to be a a greater number of players with some money attached who are making their way through the waiver process. And I think contending teams are going to take a hard look at those types of players over the next couple of weeks.
0: You're about to add a big trade in a couple of weeks in Chase Anderson. Uh, You're going to get him back. And this was one of the top... Pitchers in the National League, before he went down with an injury at the end of June, he had one of the top ERAs in the National League for a starting pitcher. And I think not only is that great news, but what this starting staff has done in his absence has been, I don't know if it's unexpected, but it's certainly been everything you could ask from him.
1: What's been exciting for us is seeing the younger players step up. So whether it's a Brent Suter giving us a number of quality starts, Brandon Woodruff dominating during his Major League debut, that's really encouraging for us, obviously this year, but also also going forward. And having a guy like Chase come back in the middle of a pennant race in the middle of August um, is is a great sign for us. It's encouraging for us. I think it's a lift to the entire team, and will certainly make our team stronger. And just adding to that starting pitching depth um, is is a big bonus for us. And there are going to be a lot of close games, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of big games over the course of the next seven eight weeks and and we're certainly happy that chase is on his way to being a part of that
0: chase anderson certainly a a, a good clubhouse presence as well and get him back on the mound will be a big thing jimmy nelson has stepped forward uh, just been a, an absolute bulldog for a innings eater a strikeout machine uh, realizing the potential been waiting for that the last couple of years the command is there and and he has put together the best season of his career and it's not very close at that at this point
1: he, he's been outstanding and Speaks to sometimes the the level of patience that's needed with younger players. We talk about that a lot, that sometimes guys who come up who are big prospects and they don't have that immediate level of success, uh, some frustration can swirl around them. Um, But these guys were prospects for a reason, and Mm -hmm. and they're very talented individuals. And Jimmy uh, showed us in spurts over the past couple years his talent, and now we're just seeing it on a more consistent basis. And he's put in a tremendous amount of work to get to this point. He and Derek Johnson um, have spent countless bullpen sessions, countless side sessions working on his craft, and it's been really rewarding, I think, for everyone in the organization to see what he's done this year, and um, we're looking forward to it continuing.
0: How excited were you watching Brandon Woodruff make his debut? One, because this is a guy that has been through a lot in the last year, uh, so to finally get to that debut was a big deal for him. But two, uh, I'm not sure his command was where he wanted it to be the first few innings, and he just competed his way through it got his way out of some trouble, and then pretty soon he, he settled in, and, and, and it was pretty dynamic stuff from that point forward.
1: It was. Craig talked a lot about his composure on the mound in between innings during that start, uh, and, and more than anything we saw coming out of his hand, it was that composure that really impressed us. That's, yeah. that's tough to do um, for a rookie pitcher making his Major League debut in a big spot for us in a big game, um, and he was, he was outstanding and got himself into a little bit of trouble early in the game. Battled through it, got some key outs, and then you're right, really settled down. And we, we saw the full, we saw the full Brennan Woodruff repertoire. We saw the hard, boring fastball. We saw uh, a, a changeup that at times can be dynamic. We saw a good breaking ball, um, and and that's that's fun for us to see. Obviously, we've we've seen it in the minor leagues. We've seen it coming up, uh, and to see it at the major league level was great.
0: There's been a lot of conversation, David, about this team and the success they've had and maybe being a little bit ahead of schedule. You hear that term thrown around a lot. I know you've heard it. And the question leading up to the trade deadline was, how will that impact what the Brewers do at the deadline? Because they are playing so well, they're in first place, they are ahead of schedule. But I think the second part to that question will be, and you're not to this point yet because you're still going through this season, but how might the season that the Brewers are putting together impact what you do in the offseason just in terms of looking at a veteran piece here or there to bring into a younger clubhouse. W- will this success have somewhat of an impact on what you might do in the offseason?
1: I think, I think you always have to be cognizant of where your current major league group is, yeah. and, and certainly we'll tackle that um, once we get through the season and, and lay out our offseason plan. But um, I'm sure there will be areas where we can supplement this group. Uh, we feel very good about this core group of yeah. players that we have here right now. Um, and that's coming behind them. And, and so we, we truly believe that this is a group that can be successful together um, for multiple years. Uh, where we can supplement that group, where we can help improve that group, uh, we're certainly gonna look to do so.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the farm system right now. We've, we've touched on it uh, already. You have Lewis Brenson who's had a tremendous year in AAA. Brett Phillips has had just an amazing bounce back year in AAA also. Uh, just really encouraging things from what you're seeing really from in, in the entirety from that triple a roster and the success that they're having winning games too yep. which does help uh, you want young guys to have that winning taste as they come up through the system
1: it's a really talented group and we've asked a lot of that group we've had mm-hmm. we've asked some of those guys to perform at the major league level and in, in key spots um we've bumped a lot of those guys back and forth which is is not yeah. easy you know we we it's a it's a paperwork transaction move but it's it's affecting someone's life. It's expecting, affecting someone's family. Right. Um, and, and all of those guys have handled it exceptionally well. Um, they understand uh, that this is the, the stage of their careers they're in. Um, and, and I think they've embraced that challenge of going back and forth, of being a part of, um, of being a part of this major league team when they're here and a part of this environment, and also understanding that there's still development and improvement that needs to happen when they're back down in Colorado Springs. So it's been, it's been great for us to see, I think, Rick Sweet and his staff in Colorado Springs deserve a tremendous amount of credit for keeping that group going, mm-hmm. even as we've shuffled guys in and out all year. Um, it's a fun group to watch. They score a ton of runs. Um, bullpen's been really good down there, and so it's, it's been a, it's a, a huge credit to what they've been able to accomplish. Are
0: you surprised at all, and, and he had a great year at the plate last year in the Red Sox system, but I think anybody that watched Mauricio Dubon in the spring knew that the glove was ready i mean the glove is is really special he's a tremendous defensive player but have you been surprised at how his bat has held up i mean he is he has swung it very well at the double a level and now hitting it well at the triple a level too
1: he, has, he, he his development has progressed really nicely and um, he's a he's a contact type hitter he's a bat to ball mm-hmm. type hitter um, he's able to manipulate the barrel he uses the entire field um, which increasingly becomes important at the major league mm-hmm. level where defensive positioning, defensive shifting has become so advanced. Having a guy who can spray the ball around uh, gives you an advantage, yeah. and, and he does that. He takes his craft very seriously. Um, uh, I don't think he's surprised by his success. I think he's a very confident individual who loves to play, is always trying to get better, and, and we're certainly pleased with what he's been able to do this year.
0: Seen a handful of promotions, too, up and down throughout the system, even in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we just saw Jake Gatewood. He still hasn't played a game for Biloxi because they've been rained out the last three days, but Um, Jake Gatewood promoted from Class A Advanced uh, Carolina to Biloxi, and that's a guy that had a tremendous first half of the season and uh, is probably ready for that next step, and now he gets his shot in Biloxi. Troy Stokes Jr. has been moved up to Biloxi. We've seen Monte Harrison moved up from Class A to Class A Advanced, and it seems like with all of these promotions, these guys have handled that next level pretty easily without too much of a transition. That's not always the case. That has to be encouraging too.
1: It is. It's guys stepping up to challenges. Yeah. And, and our player development staff, Tom Flanagan and his group, are doing a wonderful job of, of determining when players are ready for that next step. Um, we never want a level to get stale. Yeah. We're, we're a pretty aggressive organization when it comes to promotions. Um, I believe in that philosophy. I think, I think stretching and challenging players um, is important at the minor league level. Players will be stretched and challenged the minute they step into a big league ballpark and yeah. they need to know what that feels like. And, and guys are are rising to that challenge, really, across our organization. As, as you've mentioned, when guys are getting promoted, um, if there is an adjustment period, it's, it's pretty minor. Um, and then they're getting down to work and, and really producing.
0: One final question. With the Brewers being right in the mix in the NL Central, how might your September philosophy be different than it's been in the past in terms yep. of, Guys that might not even be on the 40 man now that you try to find a spot for them because they can help you even as a pinch runner, right. so to speak. How, how might that change your philosophy compared to years past?
1: When you're in a pennant race and you're competing for a playoff spot in September, uh, the formulation of those extra spots on your roster uh, is a little bit different. We're, we're now exclusively looking for players who can impact the game at the major league yeah. level, and it could be a specialized role. It could be right. the extra left handed arm in the pen, it could be the pinch runner. Um, it could be a defensive specialist in, in certain areas. Um, and so that takes on an added importance. And for better or worse, the, the individual player development aspect yeah. is is put in the backseat a little bit. So in, in past years, uh, where potentially you're not in a position to compete for the playoffs, maybe you, you have someone on the major league roster just to experience what it's like yeah. to be in the major leagues, to get a feel, to get his feet wet. Um, we're probably not going to be in a position to do that this year, and that's a good thing. We want to, we yeah. want to give Craig and his crew uh, the best assortment of players with varying skill sets uh, that we can to, to maximize our win probabilities.
0: David, we appreciate it. Uh, it's been a fun season and a fun couple of months left before it's all said and done. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lane. Brewers General Manager David Stearns with us here on our monthly installment of The David Stearns Show. Checking in on the farm. As we go down on the farm in AAA Colorado Springs, the Sky Sox are seventy and forty-seven through Monday's action, and the Sky Sox, of course, on Monday with a win over New Orleans by a score of six to one. Bubba Derby continues to pitch well, five and two-thirds, and just one earned run. Over the course of that start for Bubba Derby. And uh, the Sky Sox getting some continued good play from Brett Phillips. He's been red hot for the Sky Sox as Phillips uh, currently hitting 318 on the year. You also have uh, Kyle Wren, who's had a nice season, hitting just under 300. He is hitting 297. Yvonne DeJesus Jr. Jr.'s had the big year, 353 at the plate for De Jesus Jr. And then Lewis Brenson, who's hitting 330. One it Went down with an injury in Monday's contest. Left the game. Kirk Neuenheist replaced him. And Brinson, it was later deemed with a hamstring strain and a fairly uh, legitimate one as he's going to be out four to six weeks. And that's tough news for the Brewers' top prospect in Lewis Brinson. Also, Mauricio Dubon having a, a very nice year since being called up from AA Biloxi. The shortstop-slash-second baseman went one for two with a couple of runs driven in on Monday, hitting two eighty-seven since getting called up to triple A. In double A the Biloxi Shuckers on Monday well they combine to make a little history one nothing Shuckers Troy Stokes Jr.'s home run back in that first inning is the only tally. Pitched by Lopez swinging a fly ball out to our shallow left center field. There's Johnny Davis it's the first no hitter in Biloxi Shuckers franchise history and it's a Biloxi Shuckers
2: winner one to nothing.
0: Iron Burgos, Forrest Snow, Nick Ramirez, and Jorge Lopez combined for the seven inning. No, no. It was Troy Stokes Jr. who's been very good since getting called up to double-A Biloxi. He went deep with the solo home run. That was the only offense in the game. It was all that was needed as the Shuckers split the doubleheader with the Tennessee Smoky. Shuckers playing some good baseball in this second half. They're now 24-24 coming into Tuesday's action overall. Uh, in the second half of the season after going 36-33 and 33 in the first half of the season, finishing second in that Southern Division of the Southern League. Class A Carolina, the Mudcats, 22-29 and 29 in the second half after going 36-32 and 32 in the first half. Cody Ponce with a nice start on Monday, seven innings, five hits, and just one earned run allowed. He continues to be an innings eater for the Carolina Mudcats. Class A Wisconsin. The Timber Rattlers continuing to do some good things in the second half. Their second half record now up to 22-28 overall. Uh, Braden Webb made the start. Uh, He went five innings and gave up just two earned runs in an 8-7 win at Beloit on Monday night. Dallas Carroll recently called up, has been doing great things. He went 4-4 for on Monday night with a double and a walk in the victory for the T-Rats. So some encouraging stuff from the 2017 draft pick. In Dallas Carroll, he's now uh, hitting two ninety-three on the year since getting called up. Keston Hira continues to do great things at the plate. He's hitting three forty-four and looking to potentially get on the field and playing some defense before it's all said and done in the 2017 season for Keston Hira as well. In rookie ball in the Pioneer League, the Helena Brewers are 5-7 and seven in the second half. K.J. Harrison is an exciting young player. And uh, he went a combined six for eight with two runs, two home runs, and five RBIs in both games of a doubleheader for the Helena Brewers on Monday. The Hawaii native is hitting 362 with 17 runs, six doubles, four home runs, and 18 driven in in 25 games with the Helena Brewers. He was a third-round pick, of course, a catcher out of Oregon State University. And then, of course, in the Arizona League, the rookie Brewers down in the Arizona League. They are 7-6 in the second half. They already won the first half with a 19-9 record in that first half. Adrian Hauser actually made a rehab appearance for the Arizona Brewers earlier this week. He went two innings and gave up just one earned run. The Arizona Brewers just recently lost Tristan Lutz, who was promoted up uh, to the Helena Brewers. Uh, Tristan Lutz had been doing some really good stuff at the plate for the Arizona Brewers and uh, Tristan Lutz now doing good things for the Helena Brewers a couple of home runs already since he's been promoted up as well Uh, Lutz playing in the outfield for Helena and a very exciting young prospect 34th overall pick in the 2017 draft so that's a look down on the farm let's see what's coming up
1: here's what's on tap
0: here's what's coming up on the schedule of course the Pirates and Brewers finish up this series uh, today at Miller Park, and then you have the Cardinals coming to town. After that, after that long nine-game, ten-day road trip through Denver, LA, uh, of course Denver, San Francisco, and then LA. Then the Brewers come home and uh, start up a homestand against the Cardinals. That'll be a big, big two-game series against the Cardinals to wrap up the month of August, and then in September you got the Nationals coming to town. And the Nationals uh, coming to town over the weekend, uh, the sep- September 1st, September 2nd, and September 3rd. A couple of big promotions. Friday night, September 1st, it's a 7-10 start against the Nationals. You've got the Barrelman hat. If you haven't seen this, check it out. It's presented by the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. First t- 10,000 fans are going to get this hat. It's the Barrelman logo. It's a really cool hat. Uh, you're going to want to get your hands on that and come out to that ballpark uh, giveaway on Friday night, September 1st. And then on Sunday, September 3rd, wrapping up that series with the Nationals, you've got the Velcro Toss and Catch Game presented by MPART. All kids 14 and under are going to get that Velcro Toss and Catch Game. I know that's going to be a popular item in the Grindle household. So uh, those are some really big highlights coming up on the next home stand. We hope you can come out to Miller Park uh, to wrap up the end of August and the beginning of September, getting it started off right for the stretch run for the crew. That's what is on tap. And that's going to do it for us uh, from Miller Park here on this week's edition, episode number 95, getting closer to episode number 100 of Brewers on Tap. We will talk to you again next week when we're on the road in San Francisco. Hope you'll join us then. I'm Lane Quiddle. Have a good one, everybody.